0: Hi guys, Dr. Z, welcome to the show. We today are doing something different. We're just going to go live to both YouTube and Facebook. And I want to talk about <laughs> I want to talk about what has been going on with the vaccine stuff. Because I think a lot of people are freaked out, man. I mean, we're a year into this pandemic and there it's just been misinformation, confusion, Flip-flopping from government, flip-flopping from uh, 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 the media. It, it's it's really been tough. I think that normally I'm, you know, you guys know I'm like a pro-vaccine, kind of pro-science kind of dude, but it's gotten to the point where if you're not like nervous or asking questions or, you know, um, skeptical about this thing, you're not being a good, scientist and a good steward of your own health and the health of others. So it is absolutely normal and natural and expected to ask questions. Well, okay, is this thing safe? Talking about the vaccines for coronavirus. Is it rushed? Should I get it? Um, Is it too late in the pandemic? Is the pandemic real? People ask those questions. Why are we trying to vaccinate for something that has such a low overall fatality rate? Look, none of these questions are bad or wrong. You're not stupid, you're not crazy, you're not an anti-vaxxer for asking these questions. And what I wanna do today, because look, I'm a physician, I have my own biases, right? But I try very hard to look at things from multiple angles. One of my One of my big things, especially later in my career, has been questioning everything we do because a lot of what we do in medicine doesn't work. A lot of the conventional wisdom is simply wrong. It just hasn't been proven wrong yet. And you do want to ask questions. You do want to entertain dissent. You do want to go back and forth, right? Around science because science is an evolving thing. It's not a dogma, it's a way of looking at questions and answering them using the scientific method, having healthy debate and discourse, and then coming up with a plan based on what your own values are, what your personal values are, what are the values of your society, of your government, et cetera, and then applying that science through the filter of those values to actual policies. Now, the reason I wanna do this show today is that I am absolutely convinced, looking at the data, talking to people I trust, and from first principles as well, I'm absolutely convinced that the new mRNA vaccines for coronavirus are safe and effective and are the right answer for pretty much almost everybody. If we're looking for a way out of this pandemic, this disease of SARS-CoV-2 is now a preventable illness with a vaccine. And I will tell you, I'll, I'll make a case for why I think that's true, but I, before I do that, just so that's so you know where I'm gonna go with this, right? but I wanna say this, the people who are asking questions, right? these are valid questions, and we're gonna try to talk about some of them. And part of the reason I wanna do this today is that there are a lot of frontline healthcare workers in nursing homes in particular, our most vulnerable population when it comes to coronavirus, because the the population of nursing home patients are the ones dying at ridiculous rates when they get infected, right? Because that's the highest risk population. For a 20-something-year-old out in the world, much less risk. For a kid, even less risk, which is why we should have opened the schools a long time ago, but that's another show. Overall, we haven't understood risk very well, but now we have a vaccine and, nursing home staff at really high rates are declining to be vaccinated, which is the opposite of what's happening with nursing home patients. They've got an 85, 90% uptake when offered the vaccine. right? So what's going on here? Why are people so afraid? Can we address some of this? Okay, so a couple things. It is normal to have questions. It's normal to be on the fence about something new. It's normal to worry about what you do with your own health choices. We have to differentiate all of y'all from the 1% or 2% of truly intransigent, unconvincible, I would say, I'm gonna use this word because I think it applies here, delusional, anti-vaccine activists. Now these are people who've made a career almost, if not literally, out of trying to take down vaccines as a therapeutic. And, And it goes across the board, whether it's measles, mumps, rubella, polio, varicella coronavirus. And now is their time to shine because we have social media which weaponizes misinformation for people who are already concerned. And that's who these guys love to prey on. Now I'm gonna contrast that with the general scientific population, physicians, et cetera, who are scrambling to get this vaccine for themselves because they know something that maybe the public doesn't necessarily know, which is they've looked at the data and they go, this is ridiculously effective and ridiculously safe, and I want this, and but also I want this for my patients. And that population, and I consider myself in that group, we're heartbroken and a little terrified, and we get very upset when we see the kind of misinformation that is shared with us by our own patients and fans of the show and everybody that they found online that comes from clearly that 1% of delusional anti-vaccine cult members. I mean, this is like a cult. They just, there's no evidence, there's no rational discourse, there's no convincing that will change their mind. Now that doesn't mean they don't bring up some points that should be addressed, absolutely. But you don't debate a cult member, you're never going to convince them. What you do is you figure out why do people have questions? What are the questions? What are the fears? And how can we address them with the knowledge that we have knowing that no vaccine is perfect, nothing is perfectly safe, and everything have, has some degree of risk. So you need the tools and the resources and the autonomy to make the decisions based on the best available information for you and your family and the people around you who you affect, right? All right. So. That being said, let's start with the fears that some frontline healthcare workers have. And I've said this before and I'll say this again. The majority of these healthcare workers are not physicians but rather are nurses, CNAs, LVNs, um, people as particularly in nursing homes that are the frontline that don't spend all day reviewing research on vaccines. They spend all day touching patients, caring for patients, holding hands, being with people when they're at their most vulnerable. So I think we can give them a pass that they're not fully up to speed on the latest immunology because even immunologists aren't. So that's one thing. Now, why would this group be particularly skeptical about the rollout of a new vaccine? And by the way, the press is not doing anybody favors with this because what, and we're gonna talk about some of the stuff you see where guy dies after vaccine, okay. Once again, we're getting into how the press gets paid, how social media works, and correlation versus causation. So we're gonna talk about that as well. So why would these frontline healthcare workers be nervous about getting a new vaccine? Well, let's see. What's gone right for them in the last year? Nothing, nothing at all. In the beginning, they're asked to come to work where they are essential workers, and yet, They're given no PPE. Their administrators and leaders are working from the safety of their homes, and they're taking care of extremely vulnerable patients during a pandemic, which they signed up to do, but at the same time, they didn't sign up not to be supported or have PPE or uh, have to go home to their family and potentially infect them and, and all of this. So they feel they've been let down by their leadership. They feel they've been let down by their government. They feel they've been let down by everybody, and yet they continue to do their job. Now they get the sense that they're being asked to be vaccinated. They feel like, well, once again, we're the guinea pigs. We're on the front lines. I don't know about this vaccine. I don't know if it's safe and effective. They're telling me this, but these are the same people who told me to go in with a garbage bag on myself because there's not enough PPE. These are the same people who are telling me loved ones can't see their patients at the end of life because we don't have enough PPE and we're worried there's gonna be infection. So patients are dying alone and we have to bear witness to that. We have to be accomplices to this human rights violation, which we're asked to do by leadership. Well, yeah, they're skeptical. Yeah, you're skeptical when asked to line up and present your arm and do your civic duty and get the vaccine, yeah. How can anyone blame you for that? So. I get it. And actually, if you weren't a little pissed off and a little skeptical and worried about your own health after all this, you would be crazy. So to that, let's talk about that. And again, understanding that I'm with you on this. When people talk about this new vaccine being rushed, we have to cut through that misunderstanding clearly, all right? Normally to, to get a vaccine approved, it takes like 10 years and a billion dollars. And there's a reason for that. There's a ton of red tape. You are creating something that you're giving potentially to healthy people to prevent them from getting sick. So if you give it to a million people and its side effects are even still low, you could harm more people with adverse, consequences of the vaccine than the actual disease might cause if the disease itself is rare or rarely fatal. So there are reasons why we're very careful with vaccines. It's one of the few things we do that we give to healthy people. You should be very concerned, right? And so what do we do about that? Well, it's a 10 year minimum process and billion dollars. Why? Because there's a bunch of hoops that we make vaccine developers jump through in order to get their vaccine to market. Now we're used to this. That's why it seems like it takes forever for vaccines to be produced. The fastest vaccine historically that had ever been produced was four years. And that was for mumps in the like 50s and 60s. Okay, so let's fast forward to 2020. What's changed in that time? Well, a whole lot of science. Number next, we have a pandemic that is infecting millions of people worldwide. It has a relatively low fatality rate, so maybe 0.2, 0.3 across all ages, but it's much higher in the elderly and people with chronic disease, people with immune compromise, right? So it's worse in certain groups, right? So it doesn't affect everybody the same, but just by sheer numbers, if you infect tens of millions of people, you're gonna have hundreds of thousands to millions of deaths. And in the United States, we're now up to like four hundred and twenty thousand deaths, and that's just a simple numbers game. Even though the individual fatality rate is low and your individual risk might be low, as a society, we're bearing a huge cost of developing what they call natural herd immunity, where you just let it rip through the population, infect everybody, and then we get kind of immune because the virus, everybody's got antibodies. Well, that comes with a massive cost, which is why you develop vaccines. Now, because it's so prevalent, studying the efficacy of a vaccine becomes much, much easier because it's everywhere. You don't have to wait for four years to get enough data to go, yeah, we're convinced now by numbers that we've prevented this vaccine actually prevents the disease because the disease itself isn't that common. So it takes forever to get enough cases. Okay, scratch that off. So already we've accelerated the trial because there are so many people infected that we could do a trial in three months and get the data that would have taken three to five years to get normally because most diseases are rarer than that. Okay, so scratch that off in terms of rush. Don't have to rush because we got this situation where there's tons of disease to test. Second thing. Enrolling for a clinical trial takes forever because people generally, they're not really inclined to be part of a trial. Wrong in the case of coronavirus, people are lining up, test me please, I'll be in the trial, absolutely. Just I hope I get the vaccine and not the placebo because they're seeing the prevalence of the disease, they're scared and they wanna contribute to science. So recruiting enough people, the 30,000 people in each of these trials plus was a piece of cake. So already you've compressed that box. So check that box off. Does it feel rushed now? Less so. What else is rushed? Well, phase one, phase two, and phase three trials normally happen over years. What happened? We seem to go right to phase three. This is what happened. The government stepped in and removed red tape and risk from vaccine manufacturers in this way. They said, listen, Normally you do, so phase one is trying to figure out, does this thing generate an immune response and what dose should it be? Okay, phase, and these are human trials, small numbers of people. Phase two, a few more people. Okay, we've picked a dose. Does it really work? Is it really making an immune response? And is it creating any major safety signal where we're like, oh, this is it's causing this huge problem right away? Okay, no, those two trials, take a long time because the pharmaceutical companies really stress out over them. If there's anything there that they that makes them nervous, they're not gonna continue the 10 year, $1 billion process of developing the vaccine because there's too much risk for them. It's really too scary for them. So instead, what the government said is, yeah, combine phase one and two, figure out dosing, figure out big safety signal, figure out immunogenicity quickly and then this is what you're gonna do. We're gonna take the financial risk out of phase three because we're gonna order the vaccine, whether or not it works. So you don't have to stress about losing money. You just stress about doing the best possible science because you know what? All your incentives are aligned. You'll make money, you'll save lives, and you'll treat you and your own family. This is one of the few interventions where even the pharmaceutical executives, these evil executives are the ones who are gonna be beneficiaries of this vaccine. So the financial incentives, the personal incentives, and the ethical moral incentives all align. And they said, okay, go right to the phase three, which is the part of the trial that tells us safety and efficacy at scale with tens of thousands of people. Randomized, meaning each group is randomly selected, so you're not cherry picking like a lot of the, you know, hydroxychloroquine trials or different things like that that are retrospective, right? Where you're going back, it's not randomized prospective trial. And blind it so that even the pharmaceutical company doesn't know who got what. Have an independent board review the results, which they did, and let's then unblind it and publish the data. And that's what they did. And what they found was a remarkably safe vaccine that uses a new technology to produce a 94 to 95% effective vaccine. Meaning almost all the disease was in the placebo group. Those guys got coronavirus and almost, and pretty much all the severe disease that ends you up hospitalized and sick was in the placebo group. This thing works. So trials were rushed, check that off, they weren't. We just did it the way it probably should have been done in the beginning, it just can't be, because the disease isn't severe enough, can't recruit people for the trials, pharma companies are too risk-averse, so financially risk-averse, right? So now what about this new technology? Well, guy, right, we got this new technology, is it safe? We've never used mRNA technology before in an FDA-approved treatment. That feels rushed to me. All right, let's talk about that. So mRNA technology has been a couple decades in the making, right? It's building on the science from before. It was already looked at in terms of vaccine strategy. It's just, they never had a good enough disease that was widespread enough to actually start really, 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 really pursuing it aggressively. But all the steps were there, all the science was there. And so when the government said, okay, we need to start doing this, Moderna and Pfizer, for example, said, okay, We know this technology. We can create this lipid nanoparticle that protects this little piece of messenger RNA that's normally degraded instantly by the body. That's like an email to the cells that tell them, make this protein, and that protein is a viral protein, but without the rest of the virus. So it can't harm you in itself. It teaches the immune system to make antibodies to bind and neutralize that protein so that when the virus comes, You already have a memory of that and you're able to mount an immune response rapidly. And in fact, in the immunogenicity trials, what they found was that the immune response generated by the purified spike protein that's made by the mRNA vaccine instructions to your muscle and dendritic cells in your arms is more robust than being naturally infected by coronavirus. That's remarkable. This new technology, new technology may be the answer to making a lot of vaccines safe and effective and addressing other things like cancer and and other things like that. So it's actually really exciting. So then your question is, well, but I don't wanna be a guinea pig for this because yeah, this all sounds great on paper, but we know the best laid plans, it's like Mike Tyson said, man, everything sounds good as a strategy until you're punched in the face. So that I understand, right? I remember I told you as we were going through this this, uh, process over the last year, man, I need to see this and this and this before I'm willing to take this vaccine. I am not lining up me or my family to get this vaccine until I'm sure there wasn't, first of all, political meddling, which, hey, that could have happened on either side of the aisle, right? Certainly could have happened, FDA being pressured, other signs of like the thing being actually rushed. So I was concerned, Paul Offit, who's a vaccine developer was concerned, an expert was concerned about that. Those concerns have been laid to rest. So everything we've seen in the tens of thousands of people in the trial says safe and effective. Now, some of the, some of the things we do see, anaphylaxis at a higher rate than some other vaccines, so 11 per a million, say. So if you have a history of severe allergies and stuff, you'll wanna be watched when you get this vaccine. We're watching people anyways. 15 minutes if you don't have a history of allergies, 30 minutes if you do, and most of the anaphylaxis is happening in that first 15 minutes, and it's reversible with medical management, epinephrine, et cetera. Doesn't mean it's not scary. Doesn't mean it doesn't suck. Doesn't mean we ought to be trying to figure out what component of the vaccine is triggering that. They think it's something in the lipid nanoparticle or the polyethylene glycol that's in that. Certainly possible. Right? So that, that and, and Bell's palsy and all that stuff hasn't really panned out as being a problem at scale. Now over 10 million people have gotten this vaccine. Okay, so this is where it gets interesting because now what you're seeing is the press reports coming out and the social media reports coming out and all kinds of things happening online. Some from reputable press outlets, just going, hey, here's a headline. And some from true anti-vax cult members who are trying to sow uh, disillusion and doubt on social media with vaccines. Which, by the way, I, you know, I, I, the, social media weaponizes that kind of cultish delusion because it preys on what our fears are. Which I've already told you, right? So it's really sad. This is what really upsets a lot of clinicians. Okay, so. Looking now, what you see is some press reports. This person died minutes or days or hours after receiving a vaccine. And you'll see these are gonna keep coming. And we predicted they would come early on because in a population of 10 million plus people, people are going to die statistically and randomly at the same time as the vaccine is given in that period. Which is why, by the way, which is why the original concern about autism and measles, mumps, rubella vaccine was raised in the first place because the diagnosis of autism is often made in children around the same time they get that MMR vaccine. So of course, parents associate the two and go, wait, wait, what? They gave them a vaccine. Within days, we noticed all these symptoms. And the truth is stuff was probably happening before, but you don't pay attention. And then the diagnosis was made and therefore vaccine caused this. Well, same thing is happening now. And by the way, that's all been disproven, right? but you still have anti-vax cult members like Robert F. Kennedy, not a doctor, not a scientist, lawyer, promoting this debunked idea because they've invested all their <laughs> personal ego and authority in this now. It's like it's too late to back out. Your beliefs are so settled that you will cherry pick data from anywhere. So the news says some, you know, a physician dies days after the vaccine. We have no idea whether the vaccine caused that death. We are investigating it. But the way the press will report it, it's gonna generate a ton of fear because people are already scared. They don't wanna be the person that has the rare response that we haven't detected yet. But the truth is we don't have that evidence that that this is caused by vaccine. You're going to see these stories. They need to be investigated. But at the same time, we don't need to panic over every single one. And even if, one of those did happen to be related to some weird consequence of the vaccine, which we haven't fully understood. You know, For example, low platelets, that can happen with vaccines, right? But typically doesn't happen as fast as the one story about the doctor that's been circulating online happens. It's being looked at. He could have had that before. Nobody was testing him before that. So again, we can't say for sure. But let's say it's true. So you have you know a couple in 10 million That's a very low incidence of side effects given the risk benefit of the vaccine, right? So we should talk about that for a second. Why would you get vaccinated for a disease that has an infection fatality rate that's relatively low? What's the point? And what's worse is public health officials are telling you, well, even if you get vaccinated, you still have to wear a mask and social distance and, you can still potentially be asymptomatic and infect people. And so you, you gotta keep doing all the other stuff. Okay, if I, had, uh, if I could roll my eyes into the back of my head, that's the worst possible way to look at this. And, and, it's, and it's wrong, honestly. Yeah, sure, you can have some degree of asymptomatic carrier probably even after you've been vaccinated, but how contagious are you? How likely are you to spread that? What's your viral load? if you're 14 days out from your second vaccination, which by the way, you need both to get the full immunogenicity of this. So the the answer is probably not very. And Vinay Prasad and I did a show about this. We ought to be telling people, this is our way back to normal because it's true. (laughs) You know, we we don't have to pull a Fauci and be like, well, I thought I'd tell him herd immunity was here, but then we ratcheted it up. I mean, no wonder people don't want the vaccine, man. How? Would you trust people who talk like that to you, who say what they think you need to hear instead of what's actually true? (laughs) Yeah, people are pissed. Of course they're mad. It's so frustrating. You know, as somebody who tries to communicate science, I try to be as authentic and honest as I can. I'm not trying to pull, what incentive do I have to pull the wool over anyone's eyes? The only incentive I have is to try to be as honest as I can, admit when I'm wrong. Like I was wrong early on about masks. I said, okay, I screwed that up. It didn't make sense to me that cloth masks would help. They probably still don't that much compared to surgical and all that. But I went pretty hard on saying, you know, you shouldn't be wearing cloth masks. Now it's clear that if they even reduce inoculum of the virus a little, they're doing a service. So I was wrong. I thought maybe we'd see more infections with masking because people touching their face and all that. That data hasn't panned out. So you gotta adjust when you're wrong, but you gotta go in authentic. And I worry that you know, our messaging on the public health stuff is damaging our vaccine cause. You know? And then the press runs with it because they get clicks from clickbait ads. It's just as simple as that. And social media is already, like I said, weaponized to take misinformation, prey on your fears, which I talked about, and. Amplify them. I get so many messages from good people who are smart, who are scared because if they saw something online that hit them right here. Man, I have this deep fear about being a guinea pig or I have autoimmune disease and I'm really afraid that somehow this mRNA vaccine is gonna cause my autoimmune disease to get worse or cause it in one of my family members. And the truth is we have no evidence that that happens, zero, right? And yet, but yet, and yet, and yet. and 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 all of it makes some weird intuitive sense, and then it it meets your belief and your emotion, and then you combine it with the distrust we have of government and public health officials. It's a perfect storm. We We have such a great vaccine, and yet it's sitting on the shelves, and yet there are a lot of people who want it that aren't in the right tier, but then there are frontline healthcare people that are turning it down. It's rough, man, it's rough. It really is. Um let, let let let's let's look at some comments really quick here. Um let's see. You know and th- this whole Bill Gates thing, I see some comments on that. the whole Bill Gates thing, um it it's crazy. If you guys think Bill Gates actually has some nefarious scheme, like the dude is a nerd with a bunch of billions of dollars. Sure, conspiracy theorists love to punch up and go, well, that guy's super powerful, he's probably to blame for this. The the, the regular guy like us have secret information about this and we know something that the rest of the public doesn't know and it's it's bullshit, you guys, really. Like Gates is is, is a dummy just like the rest of us. He's trying his best to take his money and do some stuff in the world and the thanks he gets is people are like, look, I hate Microsoft Windows as much as the next guy. but. I think Gates is actually trying to do the right thing. You know, it, it it's really hard to see this and then try to think rationally about this stuff when we have our innate biases. Um, so these ideas are like, people get, get all these vaccine reactions and all of this, you're gonna see the stuff pushed out there. Really ask yourself, is there an alternative explanation? And almost always there is. One of the hallmarks of misinformation that you'll see are are the following things. There'll be a conspiratorial tone. They're trying to hush this up. Here's information nobody will let you see. They're gonna take this video down. So, okay, already there's a flag. And then the next thing you wanna look at is, are these people convincible with any data? If you were to come at them with any other contrary data, what would they do? If they keep moving the goalposts for what it takes to convince them, that's likely misinformation and there's nothing that's gonna convince them, right? Are they cherry picking science? So they're showing a study here, but then there's all these other studies show the opposite, but they're not even mentioning those studies. They don't even mention them or try to specifically address them. Um, are they cherry picking fake experts? So this is one thing. You'll see doctors online. A lot of them are chiropractors. Some of them are you know, well-known disgraced, physicians who've taken this sort of anti-vaccine stance, you know, like you have someone like Simone Gold who's out there saying this vaccine causes antibody-dependent enhancement, it doesn't. Uh, I did a video on that. Well, she's a, basically a political operative <laughs> paid for by political organizations who has a strict political bias, so much so that she was there at the Capitol riots with the rioters. So you had to look at her bias and go, well, okay, so she's a hydroxychloroquine, one of these people that like is wearing therapeutics as a tribal badge of political identity. And then in the same breath, she's saying, the vaccine is poison and you shouldn't get it for a disease that doesn't kill anyone, but you should take hydroxychloroquine. Um, so you can see why it gets confusing and frustrating and polarizing. Even I'm, you can tell I'm polarized by it. Like someone like a Simone Gold, who's clearly a smart person, she's an MDJD, clearly a smart person has a different sort of belief structure and is using it to completely blind herself to, to any you can't have a conversation and the problem is she's misdirecting people then and I'll tell you like my political elephant is much closer to hers like i in other words I have a lot of libertarian sympathies like I think that you know mask mandates and the way that we have lost our minds over this pandemic, the way that we have shut down schools, the way that we've destroyed the economy and hurt poor people, look, that to me is the worst. It's way worse than even the 417,000 who've tragically lost their lives. What's worse is the the millions that are gonna be affected, hurt, lose their lives, have shorter lifespans, messed up education, be in poverty, the rich people who are getting richer during the pandemic and the poor people who are suffering, that to me, it really hurts my my sort of alt-middle politics. right? And yet, here I am telling you, and yet the science says That this vaccine that's created by big corporations and government is a way that we can get out of this mess, open things up, which, by the way, we already have the means to do that. It's called simple ventilation, masking, testing, vaccination. You know, and now we have people online going, oh, you got to triple bag your masks and, you know, walk around in a bubble and don't do anything and catastrophize much? Listen, if you want human beings who are social creatures to actually listen to a word you say, tell them the truth that you can't save every single person. You can reduce the most risk for the most people with interventions that make some common sense and use science where it works, which is vaccinations and testing Especially rapid antigen testing because that'll just most likely be positive when people are at their most contagious and that's when you care. Because a lot of this stuff is asymptomatic. It's spread by super spreader events and hyper contagious people in locations that are clearly not safe, like really poor ventilation crowds for long periods of time. Probably focus on that and get our kids back to school and our economy back, people back to work and and the vaccine is a crucial part of this you guys it really is so you don't have to be some bleeding heart liberal or some you know right wing um you know qAnon person to agree that there are strategies that will reduce harm for many people without triggering everybody's politics it's it's not It really isn't that hard, and yet we're in a world where triggering the politics pays people. You want conspiracy theories? Facebook, YouTube, social media, CNN, Fox, you don't think they're just crushing the game with the fear porn and the misinformation? I mean, they are crushing the game. While we're at home with our kids trying to figure out how they're gonna get a Zoom education, Uh, while small businesses are struggling, while frontline healthcare professionals are so confused by the misinformation that they don't even know whether to get this vaccine. You know, it's it's heartbreaking if I wasn't so optimistic that we'll get through it. Listen, I think that this thing's gonna be, we are gonna get to a semblance of normal by the end of the spring, when the temperature starts to warm up, when this thing starts to evolve into a common cold, over with vaccination and all that. And yes, the variants are there. Stop panicking about the variants, for God's sake. Viruses do that. Okay, so they're a little more contagious. Oh, but what if they're more deadly? Well, just by being more contagious, they're gonna kill more people. So what do you do? Get your ass vaccinated. Continue to wear a mask if you can't social distance. Wash your hands. Get tested if you're having symptoms. I. It's the same thing, and we'll get to the end zone here. I think we're already there. You know, Paul and I said this on the show. When the temperature warms up, people get outdoors, we get vaccinated, open up schools, we'll start to wean off this mask fetish that we have that's necessary, we'll wean it off. Get back to hugging our friends and actually getting human contact for those of us that haven't permanently been been, you know, reconditioned to not want it. So I think some people are enjoying this a little it much. I might be one of them. I'm not really a people person, believe it or not. Uh, this has been great for me, and yet here I am advocating, because I don't think it's great for most people. Um. Yeah, let's read some comments. Um. Thanks for everyone on Facebook who's been sending stars. That's a way to support the show. Thank you for the supporters on Locals, which is off this main social media grid. It's a true community. Uh, it's like zdogmd.locals.com. Thanks for the supporters on YouTube who pay to support the show so I don't have to do sponsorships and I don't have to worry about you know how I'm gonna pay my team and cover our overhead, because they do it, which means I'm in their pocket instead of anybody's pocket. I don't have to worry about pissing off a pharma company by not saying the right thing about vaccines because they don't pay me. <laughs> I wish I wish they paid me. I actually don't because I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. Um, let's see. Vaccine immunity is also more robust, Afton, uh, Forehead, responding to Betty. Let's talk about that. So why would someone who's had COVID wanna get a vaccine anyways. And I'm gonna say this carefully because I don't think people who've had COVID recently should be rushing to get this vaccine ahead of others who are waiting because you have some immunity for at least a few months. The vaccine generated immunity in, the, in those phase one, phase two trials was more robust than natural immunity, which is why it's gonna be harder for the variants to escape vaccine. Yeah, they may reduce efficacy a little bit, but you're starting at 95%. We were hoping for something 50% and above for efficacy. So we don't need to panic. They're looking at it and changing mRNA vaccine um, mutant variant is easy. It's, It's easy to do. So let's stop using the word mutation or variant to generate fear and panic. We ought to be doing what we ought to be doing anyways, and we are and you still should get vaccinated so wh- wh- it's it's more robust than natural infection which means it's probably longer lasting and more effective than naturally being infected with covid so which means that that means that the herd immunity threshold might actually be lowered between natural infection vaccine we're going to get to some semblance of herd immunity that's not going to result in a million deaths right maybe we'll peak at 500,000 which by the way if you would have said 500,000 deaths at the beginning of the people would have shit their pants so really put it in perspective we've been denuded our 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 our, our uh uh standards ha- have been so desensitized that was the word i was looking for denuded is a good word too but it's not right um, we've been so desensitized to this and 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 part of the reason let's be totally honest can we be real with each other part of the reason is that for most people that are in the zoomocracy it doesn't happen to them they're not the ones getting sick it's people in low socioeconomic status that are the ones dying on ventilators in our overcrowded hospitals in those areas and that's why it's been hard i think for people to get on board because they don't see it you know and and the problem is it's in those communities communities of color where vaccine hesitancy is sky high why because the medical establishments has generated no trust in those communities. We condescend to them. Well, you know, the social determinants of health. And we treat them like they're less than. And, and, and especially the left loves to tisk, tisk to poor people, we know what's best for you. And of course, then we have Tuskegee and you have all this stuff. And then you wonder why African-Americans are really hesitant, like 41% won't. Go near this vaccine, where 41% actually, I forget what the statistic was, would actually take it. They, they need to hear from their community about the science and the reasons to get vaccinated. Not from a bunch of, you know, white virtue signalers on Twitter who say, you know, black lives matter, but don't know anything about the people whose lives they say matter and have no idea how to connect with them when they have so much mistrust. And it's deserved. It's absolutely deserved. You know, whatever your politics are, you could be a libertarian and be outraged by our response to this thing and how misinformation spreads so easily. You could be a conservative and be outraged by what's been going on. You can be a liberal and if you're a liberal and you're not outraged by this, you need to re-look up what what your politics are supposed to be because you're the one who should be asking for schools to be open for poor kids, not defending like a teacher's union when they wanna stay shut down forever. It's, sorry, I'm losing my shit. I'm gonna take a breath. I have to recognize when I go off the rails. Um. Let's see where we're at here. Um, Thank you for your level-headed perspective, Tammy, and for explaining things in such plain language, truth wins. Well, I lost my level head for a second, but I suspect it will resonate with some. Um, Why would vaccine-generated immunity be stronger than immunity due to infection, Jim Macedo? The reason, the theoretical reason is that you're producing a very purified spike protein instead of other viral proteins and other viral mishmash that actually can interfere with the the body's other immune component response, for example, interferon. So there's some feeling that the wild virus actually can reduce interferon response, which is an immune response, particularly in men, which can then reduce the overall efficacy of an immune response and memory response. The vaccine does not do that. The vaccine is here's pure antigen. You need to see this immune system, none of this other distraction, just this, attack it from all sides, a multimodal antibody response, binding and neutralizing antibodies, and don't mess with interferon, generate an adjuvant immune response, meaning there's other parts of the innate immune system that are part of an immune response. And that's why you get the muscle aches and the fevers and the chills sometimes from the vaccination itself. That's a good sign. And it generates a really strong uh, immune response. And, And that's one of the reasons why we think it's even better than being infected with the wild virus. um, Let's see. Uh, ha, 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 ha. Where are we at? And it's hard to kind of sort through a lot of these comments because there's so many. Um, uh, Let's see. Yeah, Z seems to have a blind spot for teachers. Um, So let's talk about that, you know, because I've gone kind of hard on opening schools. At the same time, I consider teachers to be very similar to frontline healthcare professionals in that they are misunderstood. They're thrown under the bus. You know, at least the teachers have a union. Physicians don't, right? So they at least have some collective ability to bargain. But at the same time, this is a public entity. So you're talking about public funds to pay for schools. There's lots of science now that says that schools are not major transmittals, including CDC now saying, hey, we looked at North Carolina schools, thousands of students, minimal transmission, especially from student to teacher. Why don't we vaccinate the teachers, make sure that we're giving students masks, you know, in the short run, right? All these plexiglass things, all they do is serve to, to, Prevent proper ventilation, probably. And by the way, these guns with the temperature, just throw them away. It's the stupidest shit I've ever seen. First of all, only like 13 or 18% of coronavirus patients have a fever when they're being screened. The guns themselves aren't very accurate. That's pure hygiene theater designed to make us feel better. It wastes time, it gives us false reassurance. Just throw those stupid guns in the trash. It's garbage. I I think I've said that before. I mean, let's really be honest. Um, let's see. Elizabeth Bruce, so much for all your talk about a vaccine made in a few months, you don't really know what long-term issues can be. Pfizer has paid out millions for people and still have got people suing them, uh, Elizabeth Bruce. So what are you even... Show show me the data for this, okay? Because clearly I'm reading an, delusional anti-vaxxer in this because that's the pattern of behavior. That's not something, that comment is not something that someone who's on the fence says, okay? So this idea that Pfizer and these companies have paid out millions, there's something called a vaccine, we call it in shorthand, the vaccine court. And it's designed because frivolous lawsuits against vaccine manufacturers were happening in the 70s and 80s and the vaccine manufacturers were going to stop making the vaccines because there was, no pro, there was no money in it. Because all they would do is get them lawsuits that had nothing to do with the vaccine, more correlation. Well, Timmy is no longer a star basketball player since he got vaccinated and a frivolous lawsuit for millions of dollars. So they, they set up the vaccine court that had a lower threshold for proof and you could then get payouts through that. If you could, you know, convince, I forget exactly what it is, I did a video on this and that you should look up the Hannah Polling thing and the vaccine court and what's the real deal with it. And this idea that we don't know the long-term effects of vaccines, we've been vaccinating people with vaccines for decades. What do you mean we don't know the long-term effects of the vaccines? Yeah, mRNA is a different technology. There's absolutely nothing even theoretical where you would say, oh, you know, it, 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 it's gonna cause something weird long-term. And in all previous vaccine trials, unusual events happened within the period of the trial, right? So, sure, could we be seeing something entirely new where we don't know what the long-term effect is? Yeah, of course that's possible. What's the long-term effect of getting coronavirus? Well, it could be death. It could be nothing. It could be long-haul COVID, which we see, which is like a chronic fatigue syndrome-like scenario. It could be organ failure that you're then on dialysis for the rest of your life. Okay, we know those are effects of coronavirus. So you would ask people, in your infinite anti-vaccine delusional wisdom, and I'm talking to you, the cult member, not the person on the fence, you would ask people to then not ever get this thing, even though the clinical trials show a 95% efficacy to prevent symptomatic coronavirus. I would advocate you look at your risk-benefit calculations again. I suspect you won't because I know nothing I say will convince you, right? I'm saying this to talk to the people who are listening that are on the fence because they're gonna listen to you and go, well, that seems to make a lot of sense. That's true. We can't really predict that because that would be a rational response to that comment. <sighs> Man. Um, let's see. Um. Long term effect is living long enough to find out what the long term effects are. Uh ball boys, uh or yeah, is it ball boys? Yeah, that's a good name. Yeah, that's right. But but this is but this is the thing. Look, let's be careful. Let's take a piece of what she's saying here and go, but the actual risk of you dying of coronavirus is quite low. Yeah, that's true. But it's it's higher than the risk of the vaccine. It really is. Because that's a calculable thing right I mean unless this vaccine is gonna is gonna injure you know point three percent of everyone who has gotten it seriously injure sorry murder is gonna murder point three percent of everyone who's gotten it it's gonna kill them it don't match coronavirus right and there's more subtle nuance you can go into statistics on that but th- just leave it leave it at that Jackie Denny I think there should um It should be up to the person how they wanna roll the dice on potential long-term side effects with the virus or the vaccine. Your body, your choice, pretty simple. I I don't disagree with that, Jack Hay. I don't disagree with that. No one's, I'm not advocating forcing people to get this vaccine. I'm advocating educating people so they understand why I made the decision to get the vaccine. My second dose is February 3rd. So. I care about people, I want to see this pandemic end, I don't want to see unnecessary loss of life from what is now a vaccine-preventable dis- disease, so I give it education. I would never advocate for a vaccine mandate right now, it, it doesn't make sense. Now, later on, you may say, okay, when, the, when we're out of the pandemic and we see the effects and we've crunched all the numbers of how effective that vaccine is at preventing death and so on. If they say, well, you can't go to a public school unless you've added this to the vaccine regimen, I don't know that I'd disagree with that if we had that perspective at that time, right? It's just like, I think kids need to be vaccinated if they're gonna attend a public school, right? And you need a pretty good reason not to be, to put other children at risk. Cause that's what you're doing. It's not just about you, my body, my choice is fine until it affects other bodies and choices. And that's the problem with our current regimen of vaccines, right? Now with the new vaccine, you can say, well, we don't have the evidence that it prevents asymptomatic spread, even though we think it does. We don't have the evidence that it, you know, keeps your grandma from getting sick, although we think it does. So how could you mandate that? Then it is really your body, your choice. But when it crosses over into, oh, if I don't get it, I make someone else sick and they die because they're vulnerable. Well, then it's not just your body your choice. That's that's the difference. I'm a libertarian, mostly, right? And yet I'm telling you, you, you don't have the liberty to go injure other people. But you'll say, well, but then you're telling me I have to take this vaccine and what and if I get injured, then you've injured me, right? Well, but no, you don't have to do anything. It's just, you're gonna sacrifice something. You're not gonna go to public school. You have to put your kid in homeschooling or some private school where you can opt out. I don't think that's unreasonable ethically. But, you know, reasonable authorities can disagree. Um, where are we at? What have we done here? What time is it? Three Pacific. Um, should we keep going or stop? Thanks for everyone who's sending the stars on Facebook, by the way, I'll go through afterwards and like your comments. What about people with autoimmune diseases? Nancy Michalak. So this is one of those deals where my body, my choice becomes really, actually, this is a perfect example. So if you have an autoimmune disease, you know, lupus or you're on immune agents like Humira, you have uh, rheumatoid arthritis, um, Sjogren's, uh, Reiter's syndrome, ankylosing spondylitis. I mean, there's a list of diseases, right, that are long. Should you get the vaccine? Well, the way to think about this is they didn't specifically study your population in the trials. So it's you don't have the data set in a randomized control trial to say, well, it's harmless in your population specifically, meaning we powered the trial just to look at autoimmune disease. They couldn't do that. But there were people, I'm sure, with autoimmune disease in the trials, and there are people with autoimmune disease in the public who've gotten it so far. There's no reason to believe that this vaccination, especially compared to other vaccinations and our regimen of vaccinations, should cause a worsening of your autoimmune disease because this is a very specific immunity that this vaccine is inducing. you know, people talk about the mRNA component and is it generating mRNA antibodies and all that? It, it doesn't. <laughs> There's really not evidence that we're seeing that because the mRNA is de- destroyed very rapidly after it's translated into protein. Um, and it enters cells through the lipid nanoparticle. Now, what you can say is that your risk of being ill from COVID and having an adverse outcome of COVID is higher than the average population because you're, you have an abnormal immune system. And as a result, the risk benefit says, well, the vaccine is probably considerably lower risk than getting COVID. So that's the calculation that the individual then has to make in conjunction with their healthcare team. Say, well, you know, I'm gonna talk to my doctor or my nurse and make a decision that's best for me in that case. That's very reasonable. And if you're nervous about it, hey, you're not crazy. You are someone who's had this disease, you know yourself. And you're worried about something that you want more time to see and more data. That's okay, absolutely. Uh, but that that's kind of how we think about that. I um, think Kelly Bueller says I did great and I'm on Humira. So everybody will have a story about you know their experience. Um, Let's see, where are we at? Uh, I have evidence of asymptomatic spreading. That's how I got it over the summer, Adrian Costner. Well, so we know that you know, uh, 40, 50% of cases are asymptomatic. Some of them are pre-symptomatic, meaning they'll eventually develop symptoms. Those cases are different because your viral load is much higher when you're not having symptoms because you're eventually gonna have symptoms. And so those people definitely are spreading. All right, the pre-symptomatic people. In fact, I just did a story, I just did a video about the airline where there was a case of seven people got infected from a single person total infected numbers of seven. And the guy was pre-symptomatic, didn't develop symptoms for another few days. Um, And so that's the problem with this disease. That's why it spreads so rapidly because you can transmit it before you have symptoms and some people transmit it when they have no symptoms. That's why masking became a thing because if you were just having symptoms and could transmit it, you could quarantine yourself or wear a mask when you're having symptoms. But since we don't know that, we have to throw masks on people that, don't have symptoms, and that feels terrible to people. It feels terrible to people who feel like it's a freedom intrusion, that it's changing our society. I totally get it. I hate masks. I despise them. I think they're gross and dorky, and we the minute we can stop using them, we should, right? But the problem is, the truth of the matter is you have a disease that transmits when people don't aren't showing symptoms. That's why these stupid guns are a waste, right? We ought to be switching those guns for a rapid salivary antigen test, like Michael Mina has been advocating out of Harvard. I think that's brilliant. It's what we ought to should have been doing before, but we had no, you know, coordinated response to this thing. Um beyond panic. Um let's see. What are your thoughts on fiber not? On Pfizer not publishing the exact spike protein sequence they're using in their synthetic mRNA COVID Vax. Well, <clears throat> I'm sure some of that's proprietary because they're a company. I'm sure the regulators have seen it. Um, they probably don't publish it publicly because it's IP, right? So I'm not sure, I haven't looked at the exact issue on this, but I don't think it's some nefarious intent to poison us. Um, but it's an interesting question. Ball Boys hit me with 10 bucks on YouTube. Hey, it's Big Pharma. It's me, Big Pharma. Lost all my money on, uh, <laughs> on GameStop. So here, here's your check this month. Thank you, Big Pharma Ball Boys, for funding the show. I'm in Ball Boys' pocket. That didn't sound right. Um, Lizette Paris, who's a supporter on YouTube, says, I think we should take a break from this conversation. Please bring your guitar and play some tunes. Oh, man. If I'd known, I would have plugged in and we would have done that. That would have been cool. I only do that for supporters. The public doesn't deserve that torment. Um, but either way, I think I think we did a thing here today. I look, that's this you need to have an authentic conversation about this stuff that is not. Conflicted by funding weirdness that isn't parsed through some public health apparatus where you can't. I have a lot of public health officials reaching out to me saying, We'd like to partner with you to do a show on vaccines. We'd like to do this as part of our campaign. We'd like to do that. And I'm like, Sure, if you don't want it to work, let's do that. Because the problem is the people who don't trust those public health officials are not suddenly going to trust them because I show up there and repeat some party line with a hashtag. (laughs) We need to be authentic and open about what we know and don't know, about what we're pissed about, about what frightens us and what the science is, and rationally do our best to allay fears where they can be allayed and raise questions where they should be raised. That's it. So I hope we did some of that. I got a little crazy at times because I get emotional about stuff too, just like you guys, but I always try to call myself out when I've done it. Hopefully I did that this time. But either way, um, I wanna thank everybody who supports the show. I wanna thank everybody who leaves a comment. I wanna thank everybody who shares the show because that's crucial to fighting misinformation with information. Um, Yeah, that's it. I love you guys. I love you guys. I really do. We're gonna, this is gonna be over really soon actually if we can kind of do the right things together. And I think we will. I think we will. I really do. I really, really do, all right? And again, we combine science with common sense, as David Katz said on my show, and I think we'll get through it really quick. All right, guys, until next time, we are out. Peace.